0: what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging buffalo as always i'm brendan and i'm taylor and taylor we are very excited to have joining us today our dear pal sabermetrics you know him as on twitter we know him as Walt. walt welcome to the podcast oh yeah thanks for having me on great to be back on here Absolutely. So as we all know, heading into this week, it's a big week for the Sabres as the NHL draft takes place on Thursday night. So we thought that we would have Walt on today to discuss the draft. And we're going to turn things over to Taylor now to talk a little bit about what we're doing.
1: All right. So we're going to do, I think, a little bit of a uh, a draft sandwich. So draft stuff, will be most of it, but the bread and the beginning and end, uh, we'll start with I want to ask about. Uh, something important that happened in Sabres line this week. And then we'll get to something else after the draft stuff too. So the Sabres re-upped Craig Anderson uh, this week, which is an interesting move uh, because some people are surprised. He was, first of all, he's 41 years old. And second, he wasn't really good last year uh, in the time he did play when he wasn't injured. He was sub-mediocre, below average. So it, it seems to me that they are looking as him at looking to him as a backup and that they're going to keep UPL and Rochester and kind of go uh, for another free agent or trade for the actual starting goalie for next year. Do you guys agree or what do you guys think of that? I'll start with you, Walt.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think they're definitely going to have to add another goalie to their current group, just because I have a hard time seeing like UPL and Craig Anderson being the duo next year, especially since both players have injury concerns. So I think, I think probably the best course of action for them at this point. I mean, with everything Adams has said, with what he's looking for in a goalie, I think a guy like Ville Jusso, or maybe Braden Holby, like guys you could probably sign to a short-term deal are probably the best options at this point. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think they're definitely going to go that route. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're trying to give a goalie much term, so I think they're just going to sign a short-term guy to like a two- or three-year deal.
1: Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, before you answer, Brendan, I think it's worth noting that, like, they kind of have to give a goalie in the short term, at least, like, money, because they are going to have a, a real tough time reaching the cap floor if they don't give a goalie, like, like they can't pay a goalie 750000 Like, they have to give a goalie, like, a couple million dollars, or else they're going to, I mean, I don't know how they reach a cap floor otherwise. They have a defenseman, like, $8 million? Probably not. So, but what do you think, Brendan? Yeah, I
0: mean, I particularly didn't love the fact that they brought him back. I get it from the perspective that he's a veteran presence and it seems like a lot of guys in the room like him. And I think that that's, there's definitely value to that. As we saw last year, my concerns come back to the fact that like you said, Taylor, he wasn't particularly good. And I think people maybe have a little bit, uh, some people I should say, maybe have a warped sense of his season last year because of how bad the goaltending was. So when he played and at certain stretches in the season wasn't, pitifully terrible people were like oh wow that's pretty but it was still not up to what you would want out of a starting goalie now i know you bring him back this year in a backup role and i don't think it's necessarily the end of the world but i really would have liked them to you know put the onus on upl to say like hey like we want you in the nhl we want to give you this opportunity yes he's had injury concerns and i completely understand that but so is Craig Anderson. And I think that the question that needed needs to be asked with regard to this is, is the drop-off from what Anderson would give you, Assume, like, let's say UPL gets hurt, for example, this year, if they were to give him the backup job is the drop-off from what Anderson would give you that far off from what, like a guy like Malcolm Subban would give you who seemingly you could, I don't know if they will bring him back, but like, if you had him as the starter in Rochester, assuming you give UPL the backup job, like what does that drop-off look like in terms of what you're going to be hoping to get out? Because again, yeah, you absolutely do have to get a starting goalie in here. They, unquestionably, you cannot go into next year with an Anderson-UPL duo. In a perfect world, I would have loved to see them get, like you said, like a guy like I, I've talked about Brayden Holt be a good amount on the pod, as I think he could be a, a good stopgap option for them you know, whether it's Huso, Jack Campbell's name has been linked with the Sabres too. I think those are three guys right there that are definitely all serviceable and fills that need. But I would have liked for them to give UPL a shot because it's like, you got to find out what you have there at some point. And I know he's still on the young side and that he still has, you know, some time left, but I don't know. I just feel as though... This could have been a good year just to say like, hey, UPL, like you're going to have to earn it. But like this backup job is yours. We want to give you a spot on the NHL roster and see if he was able to take it and run with it. And now that I think that Anderson's back, I would have to think depending on the goalie that they end up getting, UPL is still going to get games like maybe injury plays into this, too. But like, are you going to have a scenario where whoever like the de facto like starter is, is going to end up playing like. Let's call it like 40 games, assuming if, if it's I think it's Huso or uh, Campbell, it's, it would maybe be a little bit more. But like, let's say you get 40 games there and then do like Anderson get 20 and then UPL gets 20, like something like that for a breakdown. So I guess to sum up that long jumble there, uh, not the end of the world, but not necessarily something I'm particularly thrilled about.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So get into the, the draft stuff. Before we get to the actual Sabres part of it, I think this is interesting as someone who only mildly pays attention uh, to the draft stuff. So last year at this time, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Shane Wright was going to go first overall. And in fact, before that, uh, three, four years ago, he got exceptional status to play in the OHL or the or the CHL, whatever, Junior Hockey in Canada. He got, to, he got exceptional status, which has been granted to very few players ever to play there as a 15-year-old, uh, which is – aside from one, uh, very notable case has been basically the ticket to, you're going to be the first overall pick and basically be a hall of famer. Uh, and he has not had a particularly great year this year, not a bad year, but he, no one uh, is considering him like the consensus first overall in the way that like, for example, last year, he was being compared to Johnny Tavares. Like he's not John Tavares. (laughs) He's not that kind of draft pick anymore. Uh, but what's interesting, I think, is that there's not that much of a consensus, it seems, who could uh, usurp him. Uh, and, like, like, right now, people have talked about Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, and Slavkovsky uh, all going first overall, which I think is interesting. So my question is, do you guys think there's any real merit to that? Like, you, like could those other guys go first? Or do you think there's a real, uh, genuine, like, question to what the top three will look like?
2: So, I, I mean, I really think what it boils down to is really like those combine interviews and like the teams taking the players out to dinner. I mean, all we know is that Montreal took three players out to dinner uh, Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, and Jonathan Mackey And uh, Slifkovsky said they didn't even take him out to dinner. So, I mean, at that point, I think most of us talk about Slifkovsky maybe going first is to try to kind of lure New Jersey into that, like, trade-up move, which we have really never seen before, at least not in a really long time, to try to trade up to that first overall pick and gain extra assets while still drafting Shane Wright, but at second overall. So, I mean, I think at this point, I think it's really just a game. Uh, I don't really think Montreal's interested in anyone other than Shane Wright. Uh, Maybe Shane Wright's not their number one by, like, a wide margin, Uh, like with some other teams when they pick first overall. But I still think Montreal's plan is to draft Shane Wright, and I
0: still expect that to happen on draft day. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think Wright still is going to go first. I just think it's all smoke at this point. I don't think that there's anything really there. I would be surprised. I mean, Montreal could use another center. I mean, they have Nick Suzuki there. And when you have the first pick in the draft, it's all about best player available. And I think that in general, it's it, it's probably right. I, I think it makes the most sense too. So that's, yeah, not not exactly cutting edge uh, commentary <laughs> there. But yeah, I agree <laughs> with Walt. I think it's going to be, be right.
1: All right, so... With the, uh, the Sabres, they have three picks in the first round this year. And starting with number nine, I want to ask you guys, who do you think they – who would you like to see them take at nine? Who do you think they will take at nine? And who's someone that could fall to them at nine that you feel like if that person falls, they have to take them? Uh, so what do you guys think about that? Well, I mean,
2: yeah, I'll just take this one. I mean, for me uh, personally, I think my first choice – At number nine would definitely be uh, Frank Nazar. Uh, He's one of my favorite players in this draft class. I mean, I personally have him in my top five rankings for players in this draft class. And most other uh, rankings that have come out that have pulled NHL scouts have him in like the teens, like between the 15 to 20 range. I mean, I just think he's so much better than that. Uh, Just one of the best skaters in this draft. I think he's one of the best problem solvers, too. Uh, I get a ton of Braden Point vibes from his game. And I think a lot of the criticisms about his game really don't add up to much. Like some criticisms are that he plays like a little too fast. But I mean, it's a lot easier to teach a player at that skill level, those problem solving abilities to slow down than it is with the guy that plays a game too slow to speed things up uh, once he advances to the pro level. So he's my personal choice at number nine. Who I think they're going to go with, uh, I think it's Marco Casper. I think if Casper is still on the board at nine, uh, if Detroit doesn't take him, I do think he'd be a guy the Sabres would be interested in. Uh, He's someone that's gained a ton of momentum, like, really after hockey's even been played, like, really over this past few weeks. uh, He's kind of plays kind of more of a – just like a power forward type game, always driving to the net, always gets shots in close, uh, bigger forward show some more flashes of skill, uh, played in a pro league last year in Sweden. I think there's a lot of projectable traits about his game. I think he's going to be an NHL in some capacity. I guess my one concern would really be like what his actual ceiling is. Like, is he more of just a complimentary player versus someone like Frank Mazar, who I think could potentially be a first line center. So, uh, I think Casper is what I think they will do. And, uh, in terms of players who would fall uh Simon Nemich uh I think he could maybe fall uh and David Yerchek too I mean those are two guys that I don't think will fall but I could definitely envision a scenario where guys like Hutter Goche and Marco Casper and players like that like look like Haramaki all sneak into the picks before the Sabres pick and one of those right-handed defensemen end up falling to where the Sabres are and uh I know the Sabres have taken a ton of defensemen with their first draft pick the past few seasons, but both these guys are right-handed shots. And I do think that the opportunity presents himself for uh, either those two players to be selected by the Sabres. I think it's an opportunity they may take.
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. What do you think, Brennan?
0: Yeah, so some similar answers there. Who I want them to take, there's a few guys who are at the top of my list. Nazar is definitely up there for me, too, for the same reasons that Walt described. He's a dynamic skater, the problem-solving ability for sure. And I think on top of that, too, just as Walt alluded to, drafting for the ceiling that could end up being there with him being a legit first-line center. Uh, I also wouldn't mind seeing them take Marco Casper. I've talked about him a good amount over the past month or two. Friendly ghost. Uh, friendly ghost. Yes. Uh, you know, the thing with Casper, like, like Walt said, like he's a, he's a power forward style kind of player and he's got an already established really solid two-way game. He's got a high motor and is also a pretty good skater too. And he's a really, really hard worker. And I think that, For the Sabres being an organization that has gotten burned on taking guys on strictly talent alone who maybe weren't the best skaters, but they have like a lot of good tools like Alex Nylander comes to mind, for example, even Middlestat to an extent too taking a guy that anytime he steps on the ice, he's going 110% like balls to the wall. I think that there's a lot of value in guys like that. And I think the two-way game that he offers is very attractive. And I think that he has a a good amount of upside in that sense, more than a lot of other guys, particularly centers at the top of the draft. So those two are definitely up there. If I had the choice between the two of them, maybe just because of the high end upside, I would go Nazar. I still hope that there's a chance that I think I brought this up a few weeks ago, like in a perfect world for me. I mean, people have been asking Kevin Adams or he's at least been talking about like the idea of moving up at all. And like, in my mind, if you somehow can move up a couple picks without giving up anything crazy to go and get a guy like Casper, if he ends up falling after taking Nazar at nine, I think that, is a a complete and total home run. If the Sabres between the top two picks that they have are able to walk away with two of like, we'll call it Nazar, Casper, Matt Savoy, uh, or like Joaquin Kemmel, for example, guys who might fall down the draft board a little bit. And if the Sabres can move up, I think that is as much of a home run as you could possibly ask for. Like that is a a grand slam walking away with like two of those four, potentially with the top two picks Um, who I think they end up taking it's kind of, I guess, tied in with who I think could end up falling too. I think if he ends up falling, that Matt Savoy might be the pick. And I'll also say too, I still think that there's a chance that in a similar scenario, they may not even have to move up to end up getting Nazar because of the fact that as we've talked about, and as a lot of people have talked about, the thing with this draft is from like nine to 20, there is so much variance in terms of how people are projecting these guys that for us, we could be sitting here and saying, like, I, I would feel confident, comfortable, 100% if they took Nazar at 9. But there's a, a very realistic chance that he could be there at 16, and they wouldn't even have to move to get him. So I think I'm going to go with Savoy as, as my pick for who they end up taking. But again, if they end up taking Savoy, Nazar, Casper there, I mean, even Kemmel if he falls too. I really like him a lot, and I like his scoring ability there. Um, I don't think he will. I think he probably ends up going to Ottawa if I had to guess. But I, I think that's at least what my projection would be probably based on
1: the way things are seeming right now. So the Sabres have the 16th pick because the Vegas Golden Knights miss the playoffs, as we all like to remember. So, like you mentioned there, there's a there's a chance that there's guys that you might like want at nine that are also available at 16. So, but who are some guys that you think are more likely to be available at 16 uh, that the Sabres should look out for?
2: Uh, I mean, I know one name that's been brought up a lot, especially like with the athletic and Corey Promen's map drafts. He said he's been hearing Danilo Yurov to the Sabres uh, from a lot of different sources. So that's one pick I think they could make. Uh, I mean, I know like there's more concern regarding Russian draft picks, especially after the Fedotov situation that just happened yeah, in buddy. Russia. Did you see yeah. the thing
0: that came out? I think it was either late last night or today that his lawyer, or his agent is saying that they're poisoning him.
2: Yeah. That's like, I think that adds like kind of a whole new dimension to the Russian factor. I mean, even if this may not directly be related to the guys that are drafted, uh, I could see some teams thinking like, if we draft a guy from like Kamloops, he probably won't be like thrown in a van and taken to some <laughs> facility. Yeah. So uh uh I still probably think, not. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still think like maybe maybe guys like Danila Yurov uh who doesn't have that long of a commitment in Russia and aren't a part of the two army affiliated clubs there, maybe someone like him, his draft status won't be affected uh too much. So I mean, just based on that alone, just with his talent level, I think he could be a guy the Sabres are interested in 16 uh and like frank Nazar like we brought up earlier i think he's a guy that if he's there at 16 which i think he very well could be because there's just i think there's just kind of like a wild stretch of picks between 9 and 16 where we could see some like more obscure like lesser known names to the casual draft fan like uh like liam bichelle and uh nathan goucher like if we see those guys go in between those picks i think we'll see just a great amount of names fall that should have maybe won in the top 10. So I think if that scenario happens, I think Frank Nazar could be available at 16-2. And uh, Brad Lambert, I think he's another name. Uh, just like an extremely fun hockey player, probably could not have had a worse draft year in the league in terms of production. But I mean, his expected results were still decent. I mean, slightly better than Joachim Kamel, actually. I mean, Kamel's just much better finisher, much better at scoring than Brad Lambert. But, I mean, Lambert produced similar expected results. So I think if they could kind of swing for the fences a bit with that pick, uh, kind of similar to what they did with Isaac Rosin last year, just kind of bet on skill after taking a more safer pick if they go Casper at 9. I could definitely see a move like that to kind of just hedge your risky bets with a safer bet uh, between the ninth and 16th picks.
0: I agree 100% with everybody that Walt just said one other guy I'll add to that list who I think is a real possibility too is Rucker McGority from the US National Development Program. That is a great name. What a name. <laughs> I know, right? With him, wow. I mean, you're taking a winger there. I, I think regardless, like they're going to end up taking a center at nine. And so it'll make it a little bit easier to take a winger. I think most likely we'll see two centers. But McGordy, the the big talking point that a lot of people have been pointing out is that he is a major vibes guy. He was the captain of the U.S. national development team last year. Apparently, he killed it in all of his interviews. He was great in his press interviews as well. Um, And we know this front office is all about getting guys who wants to be here, who are big team guys, big vibes guys. And I think that Given that, and also the fact that he has a good draft profile too, I mean, there's a lot to like about him, but I just, again, I go back to the fact that, yeah, he could be a good, he's, he's a good goal scorer. And on top of that, if he's a good vibes guy, that they're going to want to jump at the chance to pick a guy like that, who's a really high character guy.
1: All right. So before we get to the last draft pick at the first round the Sabres, let's hear a word from our sponsors, DraftKings. So this is the time when I tell you like what I think you should bet on. And it's a it's a weird time for that because it's the summer. There's not as much going on. I'm just gonna re-up what I said last week because it's gotten even more uh, you would have made money if you if you listened to me this week, which is my, my my advice was bet on the Yankees when they're losing early in the game. The Yankees are now twenty-six and twenty-one when they're trailing at any point in the game, meaning they have about a five fifty winning percentage in games when they're trailing. I don't think anyone else uh, is even at a 400 so if if that's something you know you like bet on baseball like there's not a lot of things to bet on that are really safe from a game-to-game basis I would say that's not a bad option so consider that uh, all right so best of all DraftKings is safe secure and reliable you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only a DraftKings sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. So, back to the show. We also have another pick. The Sabres have the 25th pick, I believe it is, for the Florida Panthers. And the the Samson, 28th, sorry, a 28th pick the Mm -hmm. Samson-Reinhardt trade. That's another interesting one. The end of the first round can be, uh, well, it's it's kind of like it's not only like the middle of the first round where you get stars and scrubs basically. You there's a good chance you draft a guy that never plays, or there's a guy that's uh, an all star for your team, or usually in somewhere in between. So, what are you guys thinking at that pick? It's a little bit beyond uh, the the other two picks. It's I'm sure most of the guys you want at 16 will be. 100% gone by then. So it's probably a different group of guys there near the end of the first round. So is there a, any position you want to target or basically are there guys that you're interested in?
2: Uh, I mean, I know uh, Kevin Adams said in his pre-draft presser that they really just have a list and they kind of just pick the best player left on it. But I do think if they go two forwards, maybe they look at a right-handed defenseman. But if they do go with a right-handed defenseman, uh, with that 16th pick, or just any defenseman for that matter. Uh, one player I really like there is uh, Jagger Furkus. Uh, another uh, another great name. That's bus. an unbelievable yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always wonder if he's named after Mick Jagger. He probably is because I don't really think someone could pull that name out of thin air. But yeah, uh, probably. He's just <laughs> such a good player. Uh, also, seems like a vibes guy, too, just based on his style. Uh, he's got the flowing ginger hair and the mustache. So, I mean, just a vibes guy based off that alone. And yeah, Cody Eakin vibes there. Yeah. He's like Cody Eakin, but he could honestly be really good uh, just because (laughs) he's just such a skilled player. I mean, he probably couldn't be any smaller. I think he weighed in at like 154 pounds at the draft combine and only comes in at 510. But I mean, really just with his puck handling skills, his shooting ability, uh, his skating's really just average, but once again, that could come along with increased strength. I think he just provides a package that if he's available at 28th, which he very well should be, because uh, I believe Bob McKenzie's rankings have him at 34th. Uh, I just think he's a guy that I'd love to take a swing on at that point, uh, just because I think he's a ceiling raiser. Uh, I think he's a guy where if he hits his ceiling, he could be a top line NHL forward. And I think the Sabres could use as many of those in their system as possible. And with the amount of picks they have, I think they should take as many bets as possible. And then uh, just to bring up some right-handed defensemen too, who I can maybe see them going with. uh, I know Noah Warren was a player they interviewed at the draft combine. And uh, he's kind of just a big and brutal uh, defenseman out of the Quebec major junior league. Uh, Pretty good agility, uh, but there's still a lot of things about his game that he has to work on, but I think he has very strong NHL projections as a potential shutdown defenseman. And another name is uh, Sam Rinzel. Uh, He's a right-handed defenseman who split the season between uh, high school and the USHL. And he's just a very interesting prospect because there's some games where he looks like a top 15 pick. Other games, he looks like a fifth-round pick. But he's still very young relative to other players in this draft class. He's also six five, so I mean, usually players that are that young and that big need a little time to grow into their body. And just with the flashes of potentially shown, I think he's uh, worth the bet with that twentieth overall pick. And then the last guy we go with is uh, Ilias Salimonsen. Uh, he's a right-handed defenseman from Sweden. Uh, if you look back, like maybe like two three years ago, on like some like early uh 2022 draft list he was considered by many to be a top 10 guy he really never made the progress that he was supposed to but he's still a very young player for this draft class i believe only two and a half weeks away from not being eligible till 2023 and when he has confidence in his offensive abilities he's one of the best players out there and i do think he's one of the best skaters in this draft class too so I can see the Sabres taking a swing on uh, some potential of a guy like
0: that.
1: That's interesting. Is there anyone you're thinking about, Brendan?
0: yeah well first of all i like all the guys that walt had mentioned i'll give three different names uh first a pair of right-handed defensemen from the u.s national development program who there's some questions if they'll be there but i uh one of the names that i've talked about a a decent amount over the past couple weeks is ryan chesley who's a right-handed defenseman there a lot of mocks recently have had him going potentially in like the higher mid-20s so there's a chance that he may not be there but if he's there i think that he gives them a lot of offensive upside on that front too offensive upside but a little bit of a small smaller defenseman is Seamus Casey. Uh, He's committed to Michigan. will be playing there next year, but he had a good year for the U S development program last year. He had 33 points in 46 games. Um, smaller guy, but again, gives you that offensive upside that you would like to see out of a pick like that, especially a defenseman there. And I think it also gives a little bit of variation from some of the guys you currently have in the system right now. And then finally, you know i i know as before we were talking about just with all the question marks surrounding picking a russian player and i mentioned this guy before and i think now if the stock of russian players is going to be going down a little bit you have three first round picks and if you want to take a chance with one of them i think that this would maybe be the opportunity to if he falls but ivan miro you know prior to getting diagnosed with hodgkin's lymphoma He was considered to easily be a top 10 pick, potentially even a top five pick. He's currently in remission now. He was planning, I I think the plan was for him to be at the NHL draft. um, And he has shown over and he's been vocal about the fact that over the past couple of years, he wants to come to the NHL. He wants to come to the U S so you don't have a, I know that there's obviously the question marks just generally speaking with the current situation there, but you don't have to worry about it being a scenario where he maybe is going to want to end up staying there. Like he wants to come and play in the NHL. And I think that if you are going to have, you know, two first round picks where you're going to be able to get the opportunity to get two really high end guys at nine and 16, taking a flyer on a guy and taking just a, a shot because you know, all right, you have the, I guess, the the comfort of knowing that you already have two picks that you'll have guys who are going to be within the system and be there, you know, take a shot. And if he's there at 28, I think that they should really think long and hard about it because that is injecting some high-end wing talent if he ends up getting over here in the next couple years into the system. So definitely just somebody that I think is is worth keeping an eye on if he falls. Oh, interesting. So
1: at this point too, at that point of the draft, it's not uh, uncouth, I would say, to take a goalie. Uh, And the Sabres, I mean, if you take a goalie, you're taking a goalie for 2028. You're not taking a goalie (laughs) to play with Craig Anderson next year. But do you guys think that's a possibility at all that they might look to a goalie with that third pick
2: I just don't think there's a talent available in the draft class this year uh I think because of that maybe a goalie will go much higher than they should but I believe Tyler Brennan's the highest rated goalie on Bob McKenzie's list and he's ranked 62 so I think we maybe I think we probably don't see any goalies go in the first round this year we probably see maybe a few go in the second but I think there are some interesting names that they can maybe get very later on in the draft. Like maybe some players coming from some more obscure junior leagues and there's even, uh, some maybe older goalies. that I think we could see more of get drafted this year, just because this current group of 18 year olds, I just don't think is the best, uh, goalie group.
1: Always, uh, a, uh, knife to the heart to remember that everyone we're talking about is 18 years old and most yeah. of them are born in 2004 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's yeah. tough there there are people in this draft who were infants when the 2004 alcs didn't take place because it didn't actually happen but uh <laughs> when that didn't take place these guys not only did they not remember it some of them were like you know Still in diapers. All of them were basically still in diapers. And next yeah. year, some guys will not even be alive for. Wow. Crazy how time just keeps happening. Um, so, I think that's pretty much all the draft stuff I have. I don't know if you guys want to add anything about the draft. I actually was going to move on to the another topic, but is there anything else you guys have on the draft that you want to bring up?
2: Just looking forward to it at this point. Uh, only a few days away.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. By the time people listen to this, it'll be, I think, three days out. So, that's yeah yeah oh yeah that's right uh, Tuesday. yeah yeah that's right yeah tuesday episode the holiday weekend so yeah two days away when you listen to this so i just wanted to bring something up we could we didn't have time to talk about it uh, on thursday's episode uh but the hall of fame got announced and it, it's not the strongest class in the world but it's i think it's a mostly deserving class of uh luongo the sadines and daniel alfredson was the fourth one right
2: Yep, I believe so.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to acknowledge that he's in the Hall of Fame, but yeah, so <laughs> the Canucks class or people have thrown it out a class that no one won a Stanley Cup in. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Canucks guys, 100%, I believe they're deserving. Uh, for some reason, they still continue to do the thing where they don't at all try to catch up with their backlog of uh, women's players, and they just add one a year. I don't know why they're doing that, but they added only one, and then they obviously added, Uh, well, no, I'm forgetting the guy's name now, the the builder that they put in uh i'm gonna look up now because that's i gotta put him but yeah he was um one of the first black hockey players it was before the nhl was integrated uh and so it's an interesting class overall i would say that the actual nhl part of the class isn't super strong uh but overall it's, it, it, it tends to be an interesting cast uh yeah herb carnegie is the guy's name and a uh the women's hockey player's name is uh, rika Selinen. so overall it's a uh, it's a decent class but i you know we couldn't help but notice that alexander mcgillen again again not included it's been i don't know how many years he's been eligible now it's it's well over a decade it's it's pretty soon going to get close to two decades and it's annoying to me because i i look at his career and i didn't even look at his career and you could say he's not really he's kind of has a borderline case if you just take him you know on its merits his, his case and that's true it really does considering his era the goal scored points totals It's it's fairly borderline, but that's not all there is to consider when it comes to Alex McGillney. He was the first player to defect from the Soviet Union. That's important. It's a big historical fact. I mean, it's maybe you. you, I don't know if you induct him in the builder category for that. I just think you do something smart and consider that he's not such a borderline case and just induct him as an NHL player. He's you know there's there's an international case as well, but he not only did he defect he had to it wasn't just something where he was like hey see you guys he had to basically do a like escape from new york situation with don Luce, i believe <laughs> getting him out of europe in in into the nhl it's it's he did that at great personal cost and great risk to himself and his family this is not something that he he got here and everything was okay his family is still in the soviet union and we had doug bodger on last year and talked about personally like how McGillney was upset all the time because his family was he always in peril I mean obviously eventually this the Soviet Union kind of collapsed and it was just Russia and it was different about midway through his career but he took a huge risk to come here he was the first guy to do it and he scored 76 goals in a season I mean it's he had an incredible year and it's not like a one-off he had a, another season where he had 55. He had a couple of years where he was in the forties. I mean, I don't understand this at all. The, 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 it, the hockey hall of fame is such a bad habit of waiting too long to induct guys. And I, I know people think he wouldn't even show up if he got inducted, but that's not really the point. He hundred percent deserves to be in. He deserves to have his own little like kind of placard in the hall of fame explaining what it was like in the Soviet union and how he got to come here. And, I guess more importantly, look at the NHL now. Look at a guy who might break the all-time goals record, Russian guy. Look at uh, the biggest free agent this year, Evgeny Malkin. Well, maybe not the biggest free agent, (laughs) but like you know, uh, you know he's he's a free agent. He's a big deal. He's a Hall of Famer, a Conn Smythe winner, Russian. Like there are so many, and I know it's it's again Russia's in in peril, and uh, it's going to be. As we mentioned on here, it's going to be different with draft picks this year, but like that part of the world is so important to the NHL now. And it's been so important for like more than 10 years. So I don't understand this shit at all. Like you have to put them in. Like it's, it's, it's literally insane to me. And I, I'm not even saying this as like a Sabres fan. I don't remember a guy playing for the Sabres. Like, you this 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 is not tenable to not have this guy in the hall of fame just because of of what he represents beyond the fact that he basically already has a borderline case jesus christ you put friggin' kevin lowe in two years ago or whatever his name (laughs) is yeah i mean i think the fifth best defenseman on the the 80s oilers come on
2: yeah like i I feel like as long as you win a cup even if you're like the 12th best player in a team and you win like six cups they're like oh this guy this guy's a (laughs) hall of famer yeah
1: true i mean and I guess that's another part of McGillney's case. He, he also won a cup with New Jersey. Like he, he played for a bunch of teams, but it's uh, it's, it's really annoying. So that's, I, I'm sure uh, we all agree, basically, on McGillney, based on your reactions there. So is there anyone that you guys think uh, really deserves more of a Hall of Fame look that is kind of on the, the cusp right now?
2: I mean, it really seems like just looking at the list of guys that were first-time eligible – there's really not many on there that I would consider kind of like locks for the Hall of Fame outside of the guys that did get in uh, I mean two names they do have on the list are uh, Thomas Bannock and Jason Palmmanville on the on the Hall of Fame website which I thought was interesting I mean it's pretty crazy to th- think those guys are up on there i mean i maybe i think they may have just sorted the list by games played so that could be why they're on there (laughs) and i uh, I mean
1: that's not like the baseball hall of fame there's always like uh they they put out that list of who is eligible to be voted for and it's always interesting who they where, where the cutoff is
2: yeah it's definitely it's definitely different and i think uh i mean one player that i'm kind of surprised that i've noticed on this list that isn't in the hall of fame is actually uh Henrik Zetterberg I think he has kind of like a borderline hall of fame profile I mean I know his like point totals aren't the flashiest but I mean he's really more known for his two-way play and really just I mean all the success he had on those Red Wings team I know it only resulted in one Stanley Cup for him but I thought he was one of the better players in the NHL for the better part of a decade
1: yeah and he was a Conn Smythe winner if I'm not mistaken um, yeah and I think has the Red Wings record for most uh, points in a postseason in 08. So yeah, yeah. I agree I agree he's definitely uh, right on the right on the cusp. What about you Brennan?
0: I think another guy too, another former Sabres Pierre Turgeon. I think he has a pretty strong case. He's got over 1300 points when you look at I'm looking at uh, a list of some of his comparables right now of guys who are in the Hall of Fame who he has more points than, and obviously, you know, for a variety of reasons, these guys have have also gotten in, but he has more points than Alfredson. He has more points than Hosa. I think Hosa obviously with just his two-way game, and also he has a lot of hardware there, but you have 1,300 points. Yeah, he didn't win a cup. He didn't have any major hardware. There was no point where he was considered to be the best player in the league, but 1,300 points doesn't happen by accident. And I just think that alone for a lot of the other guys who have gotten in for it being based on production, I don't think that you can really make an argument when a lot of them are in a similar stature of no major hardware or anything like that, but they got in due to their production and points. And it's like, well, how is 1300 points not get you there? You know? So I would say probably turgeon. Yeah.
1: Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, I think at this point I should ask uh Walt, do you have any recommendations uh for what people should uh outside of the hockey world watch, listen to, anything like that?
2: Uh I mean really just in terms of anything. Yeah. Any any TV, movies, books, uh anything. Music, anything. Yeah. Uh I mean, right now I'm in an Airbnb that's right on top of a movie theater. So I've been hearing like the Elvis movie for like, the past like two nights. So I guess maybe watch an Elvis movie. It sounds it sounds fun from what I could hear uh, in the room below me.
1: Nice. Oh, I'm actually planning on doing that soon, so I'm definitely going to do that. Oh, man. Well, that's good. Uh, Brennan, do you have anything? Uh, do you have one first? Yeah. We'll talk about it maybe in greater detail later because Brennan hasn't finished yet. But uh, Stranger Things, I liked it. I don't, you don't need me to recommend Stranger Things because it's literally the most popular TV show in the world. Uh, but <laughs> if you haven't gotten around to it, it's good. Okay. All right. I'll go
0: with a, not new thing, just a random album. I, cause I've been listening to it lately a good amount. I'm going to go with uh favorite worst nightmare. Arctic monkeys album, really great album. Their second album that they put out back in 2007, a lot of really uh, great drumming on it. One of, in my opinion, one of the best, drummed alternative rock albums of the 21st century um and just a lot of really fast guitar driven songs that uh are all really catchy and good and that alex turner guy knows how to write some some good lyrics so yeah i'm gonna go with that one
1: all right and then my actual so the stranger things thing that's not a recommendation because everyone watched it but i mean we'll talk about it on maybe on thursday depending on when brendan finishes it but honestly no. movie i watched this week that's interesting i can't say i recommend it 100 percent to everyone but it's it's more interesting, than I remember Project X. You guys remember Project X? Oh yeah! I, wow. Yeah. So I just learned this week that Project X, a lot of the extras and basically the the party that the scenes filmed at is basically was just a real party in real life. Like people are just like they're like, hey, yeah, just get drunk and like do crazy stuff. And they gave everyone like um, phones to film things on, and then took the phones <laughs> and like cut that together. So a lot of the the stuff you see with people that you don't know in the movie, like a lot of that is just cut together from what people filmed and one of the extras was chet hanks what (laughs) makes a lot of sense yeah (laughs) but yeah it's an interesting movie it's not a great movie but it just it feels like two things first of all that's a really interesting way to shoot a movie and edit a movie like Mm -hmm. that's it's it's not something that's often done the other thing is like it feels like to me like a uh a send-off to the aughts like as soon as project x was like done that it felt dated (laughs) <laughs> like immediately like within like two years you'd be like oh you couldn't make this movie now like there's yeah. a lot of things that for good reason in some parts and also just like it just feels like a different time now obviously it's been 10 years but i would say like two and a half years after it came out you it would have felt a little bit old yeah but yeah interesting movie so that's half wow. a recommendation on both of those one thing you've definitely already watched and one you probably won't <laughs> <laughs> all right and hey before we sign off walt can you
0: talk a little bit about some of uh what you have going on with uh, the charging buffalo? Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we just released the charging buffalo draft guide
2: oh, yeah. today, and uh, I believe there's like six or seven of us, uh, I think 40,000 words, like over 120 pages. And I think it's a really cool draft guide, especially if you're a Sabres fan or follow the Sabres, because we kind of try to tie things back into kind of how it relates to the savers. I mean, I guess kind of like TSN does with the Leafs, but uh, we did it with the, <laughs> the savers. And uh, we also included like some profiles of uh, some prospects currently in the saver system too. So that's another neat thing that we have in our guide that you may not be able to find anywhere else. So yeah, definitely check that out.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, Walt, I'm sure we'll be having you on again soon, but thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on absolutely absolutely we'll have to do another uh we got to get bill and do another trivia episode oh definitely yeah that was one to remember <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> all right everybody well thanks so much for tuning into this episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging buffalo make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows including the sabermetrics pod hosted by Walt and bill along with all the other great shows and content that both platforms are putting out make sure you're following both the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo on social media. Make sure you're also following us on social media, straight up Sabres on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And last but not least, as Taylor had mentioned before, head over to DraftKings and use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, the day of the draft. But until then, everybody have a great week. This has been straight up Sabres.